The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Are You Afraid, 1984, the unofficial American Horror Story 1984 podcast, a radio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, October 24th, 2019, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the FX series, American Horror Story 1984. Please welcome my co-hosts, Madison Fitzpatrick. Hey, guys. And Vinny Hatcher. Hello. Let's jump into our recap of Season 9, Episode 6, which was appropriately titled Episode 100 and aired October 23rd, 2019. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. With the horrors of the night behind them, the survivors deal with the fallout of their choices. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, uh, the momentous uh, 100th episode of American Horror Story. And I hardly ever go first, so I'll start off. And I will say, as an episode of American Horror Story 1984 of the season, I thought it was a very good episode. I, I really liked the episode because it was almost like an epilogue to everything that we saw. It was like an epilogue slash setup episode that clearly is setting things up, um, things to come for the next couple of episodes as we head directly into uh, the season finale. As a 100th episode for American Horror Story, I found it just a teeny tiny bit lacking. Um, I would have liked to have seen more. And uh, my first question, actually, for both of you, once you know we get out of the initial reaction section, is about it being the 100th episode. So we're going to go into detail about that momentarily. So, um, Maddie, what about you? What did you think of uh, the episode, your initial reaction? Um, I liked this episode a little bit more than the episodes prior. Um, as a 100th episode, I think it lacked a bit. Um, especially, like, because this is American Horror Story, I feel like it should have been insane. Um, although it did have to tie into the season itself, so I can see how they didn't want to go too far, but I think there could have been more, but I did really enjoy the episode. All right, so we're on the same page. Uh, Vinny, what about you? I'm going to continue the trend. Um, I was 
very, very happy with it as an episode of 1984 in and of itself. I mean, it obviously added a lot to the story. It gave us, you know, a really good feel as far as continuing the storyline, the aftermath of what happened. But I, I'm continuing to agree with the two of you regarding I was really disappointed as this being a 100th episode of the entire season uh, or series, excuse me, especially because we were in the promo in the previous week. I believe we were actually given a red herring. We were given this like it's the 100th episode of American Horror Story and there were flashbacks to all the previous seasons. So for me, that planted a seed in my mind that there was going to be maybe a surprise returning character or characters, excuse me, or, you know, just more Easter eggs, maybe more of content relating to the overall series because it's such a monumental episode. But that aside, I, I really did enjoy the episode itself. All right, so we're all on the same page. So before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of American Horror Story 1984, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? 1984 and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. So before we get into the actual episode, which I think is a very simple episode to actually break down because it was sort of almost like individual plays. I mean, there were vignettes catching us up to uh, where the characters are post uh, that fateful night at Camp Redwood in 1984. So let's talk about this. It's the 100th episode. It's a uh, monumental occasion for any series. Uh, I feel like especially nowadays when a series gets to episode 100, it's a big damn deal for American Horror Story because it is a cable series and because um, it, it is the type of cable series that has a shorter season than most. It, it's done sort of in the um, the British style of uh, television. Uh, so it does take a cable series a lot longer to reach episode 100, uh, which uh, makes it even, you know, a, a more uh, monumental occasion, because that means that uh, the series has been renewed for several seasons. Here, you know, it's season 9, and it's reaching episode 100 on a typical broadcast series. If it's got a full um, season, you know, 22 ish episodes um you know it'll reach it usually by season five so it took a little longer but we're here and uh, well i guess i'll start off by talking about it for me i wish that there were more callbacks like i i get that this is such a distinct season that um you know we were probably not going to see any characters from previous seasons during this episode i was like fully expecting that um but i wish that we would have had callbacks like what american horror story does at its best or, or does the best i should say is um they find a way to tie things into other seasons and usually the easter eggs aren't 
very blatant. Um, they're, they're kind of snuck in at times, uh, or they, they come in a surprising kind of way, and then all of a sudden you realize that, okay, this character is related to that character, or all of a sudden this character shows up that was in another season, and that sort of thing, and, and it's really um, exciting when that happens on American Horror Story, and I wish we would have had a little bit more of that in this episode. I was, uh, I don't think I said this when you were here, Maddie, I feel like I had this conversation with Vinny, but uh, I think the apocalypse season would have been a really great season for the season that had episode 100. Like, they could have done apocalypse this season and the murder house episode, even though it didn't really tie into any other seasons, but because that was you know, the season that started it all, the Murder House episode of Apocalypse would have been a really good episode 100 for American Horror Story. But I do feel like mur- the the Apocalypse season ended up happening last year because I would assume, like, all the ducks sort of lined up in a row for Ryan Murphy, and he had to take advantage of everybody being available last year. Um, so, you know, he had to do that season when everyone was available. So I would assume that's what happened. Uh, but this episode, I, I mean, I'll go into just what we got, and, and, and really all that we got was the fact that um, that Margaret was going to be purchasing the Briarcliff um, um, Asylum, and, and that was really it. Like, if they would have done the, the motel instead of it being a motel, it would have been ho- the Hotel Cortez. That could have been a way to tie things into the to previous season. If they would have flashed some other properties that maybe she was thinking of purchasing, you know, maybe, you know, this plot of land in Roanoke. Um, I'm trying to think of what other landmarks. The, the Murder House. Um, what are the other, other iconic landmarks uh the lalaurie house something like that uh, i think that could have worked uh, to tie in maybe cult and freak show uh when we saw that family next door in the other motel room maybe they could have flashed by you know one of the kids uh reading a twisty the clown uh, graphic novel or something like that and that could have tied in um, that season or those seasons I should say so I feel like there were just missed opportunities for like little winks and nods to the past that I found just a bit disappointing and maybe it was because of the promo that Vinny uh, referenced the promo started off beautifully with like a flash back to like several characters and moments from all of the previous seasons and then it was like you know the 100th episode so I was like damn maybe they are going to find a way to sort of tie things in but they didn't and uh, I feel like some of the stuff could have been just so simple, even if it was just a little name drop or something like that. And um, they didn't take advantage of that. And uh, and that was just a teeny tiny bit disappointing for me. So, uh, Vinny, what about you? Your thoughts on just the episode 100 of it all? I mean, I, I don't want to be your broken record, but I completely concur. I... I really enjoyed the episode. Like, I, I feel like I need to keep reiterating that like I did, but at the same time, I just was expecting more. Um, and even though I did enjoy it as an episode in the standalone series of 1984, I also felt it was, you know, like you mentioned, the standalone chapters. And I was just expecting a lot more, I think. Maybe I was expecting a big bang, a big reveal, or, you know, a monumental humongous death, a mass massacre. I don't know. But I walked away 
liking it and enjoying it, but when I look at it for what it was, I agree. I I feel that like the Briarcliff purchase was such a minor reference. And at the same time, I feel like they've also been dropping these like breadcrumb Easter eggs the entire season from when we saw Ramirez and Jingles drive off towards wherever and then the sign poked up and it showed Los Angeles. And we've just had these little smatterings of things showing up that just made me really feel like Murphy was going to have this monumental reveal like we were all, you know, wondering if it was going to happen or not because this would have been the episode. So was I disappointed that it didn't happen? No, but when I look at it as the overall series, especially, you know, with what we experienced in the promo and just the, I felt like the ending of it was kind of, I don't know if mild is the right word, but I don't want to say underwhelming because that's overly negative. It was just kind of calm compared to what I would have expected from this. But other than that, I you know it, the episode gave us some really good performances. It gave us some really good information about characters, and it really kind of surprised me. I did not necessarily expect some of the ways that people had ended up. I didn't expect uh, characters to maybe make choices that they did, and there were one or two surprises. But yeah, I, I continue to concur about it. it. It I have to keep reminding myself to judge it as an episode of 1984 and forget about the fact that it was this, such a penultimate episode of the entire series exactly i will say uh, i forgot to mention him but we did get a returning cast member from a previous season we had uh leslie jordan return which that was i was a pleasant... so happy when i saw him <laughs> i know we, that was a pleasant surprise oh my god yeah I, I will say after looking at some easter eggs from this episode uh, there were little things that did connect to other seasons but it was just there were like fleeting references uh, apparently um uh Rick Springfield was listed as one of the um the uh participants of the music festival and and he uh was in the cult season uh they mentioned uh john wayne gacy and ed gein um and uh, as well as the manson family and that sort of thing but even those little lines just didn't they weren't that impressive to me um to be quite honest because they weren't sort of like overt um references to uh um previous seasons and that kind of stuff um maddie what about you? I feel like uh, we're I'm sort of well, we are all sort of like beating a dead horse, but I do want to get your take on it. What about you in the whole episode hundred situation? Yeah, like I feel like it could have been a big, like a little bit bigger. Um, the references, like you guys were saying, would have been amazing. Um, like I, I really enjoyed as an episode of nineteen you know, 84, like, all their references to the serial killers and stuff like that. Like, that was pretty cool um, since, you know, this whole season is, like, serial killer-based. Um, so it was exciting in that way. But as a 100th episode, I think bringing in different characters, like, I thought the cameo of, like, um, Sarah Paulson would have been in this one. You know what I mean? Because I've been waiting to see different characters and, and actresses and actors in it and they haven't come up yet. So it kind of disappointing in a way, but I don't know. It wasn't horrible, but I thought it could have been a bit more insane. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
100 percent um and i feel like a lot of people were expecting that and, and so it's it is unfortunate i feel like they just missed out on a uh, a really important opportunity i mean not that many cable series last until episode 100 and i know that american horror story is a very unique beast because it is an anthology series or at least for the most part it's an anthology series so it's very difficult maybe to even process what a 100th episode could look like for an anthology series but because they've already set it up to um, have the connections just little vines here and there of dialogue would have uh, sufficed i think uh, i think we all really would have liked to have seen some of our favorites return to um appear you know visually on the show but even just little lines of, of like dialogue or something like that like i was actually looking around as i watched the episode to see if we would get any sort of um moments that would echo moments of the past and there wasn't even any of that like any sort of um homages to previous seasons so um it was a little disappointing but let's actually talk about the episode. So, so much happened. And as I reference, it's done very much in vignette style. It's, it's to catch us up on everyone post what happened that night. And let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. One year after the everything that happened at Camp Redwood, we see Jingles with uh, the Night Stalker. And, uh, you know, they are uh, compatriots, basically. They're roaming through Los Angeles, and um, Jingles is there to basically witness uh, Richard Ramirez uh, doing what he does best, which is uh, murder people, apparently in the name of Satan. And, uh, uh, yeah, there's there's a moment where it looks like he's going to murder the... Um, maybe the family that's staying next door to them in the motel but jingles stops him and you could tell that jingles is kind of done with everything richard ramirez and so uh, later on um when they make a little pit stop jingles ends up uh sort of uh, you know alerting some of the locals about the night stalker after seeing you know a, a picture of him and uh, that leads to uh, Richard Ramirez getting captured and arrested. And it okay. frees Jingles. <laughs> Can I just talk about this for like a few seconds? Sure, sure, sure. This is actually where I'm going to stop. And, and yeah. it, it frees Jingles from Richard Ramirez. So Maddie is feeling very passionate about this because she does have books on um, oh the satanic God, arts. You yeah. do, though. Oh, my God. No, I don't. I've seen pictures of them. Anyways. Maddie. She's anyway. dying now. When you were, you were totally accepting of this during the apocalypse season, Maddie. Okay, fine. Yes. Satan worshiper over here. Well, no, I never <laughs> said that, but you just admitted it. And now we have it on tape. Anyways, so this whole um, Richard Ramirez situation, I don't know if you guys follow true crime or know about Richard Ramirez and his actual case, but this is actually how he was like captured in oh, real Jingles life was there yeah mm-hmm. no but um somebody recognized him and um this was he was trying to you know do his thing and capture somebody or whatever didn't work out and somebody recognized him in the street and a whole crowd of people in this town chased him down 
and captured him and started beating him and the police saw and like you know captured him eventually but that's it was these funny. people no that's yeah. funny because so i read comments I, where people were like that didn't really happen like that did it and i didn't know so i was like yeah i don't know but like you're now telling me that that's exactly how it happened so that's yeah. hilarious so the whole time i was watching it i was like this is amazing this is so funny the fact that it's like jingles was just like hey look at this picture over there mm-hmm. you're welcome and like the whole time we're like mr jingles like is in the car and he's like i <laughs> and richard ramirez just looks at him i died because it's like this is so funny because this is how he was captured in real life was this big <laughs> crowd of people literally chasing him down the street and like just gunning for him and they caught him as a group like as a community um so i just i thought it was hilarious and um yeah so i don't know if you guys knew that or whatever or even if our listeners knew that either but i thought it was pretty funny that is my favorite part was the fact that as he drove away it was almost like a commercial because he was drinking a tab it's very 80s yeah, very easy. There, it was, you know, it, I knew that this was how Ramirez was actually captured in real life, and I love the fact that they kind of turned it into like almost like a Scooby Doo type thing, because <laughs> with like Ramirez running and just being chased by all these people, I, I just kept hearing like the themes that you hear when like people are chased in Scooby Doo. I mean, I, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. But for some reason, there was definitely like an '80s kind of comical overtone or undertone to it. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Maddie. It was very awesome that they kind of included that Easter egg. That's very fascinating. That's cool. That's it's really good to know. I believe, Maddie, you are a serial killer person, right? You like the true crime stuff. Yes, yes, true crime. Yep. Okay, that's very cool. I will say this is a little Easter egg about my life. I once thought I saw the Unabomber in Walgreens. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't the Unabomber though. At least I don't know. I don't think he was ever in Florida. But <laughs> yeah, that's. I remember seeing the magazine. I was like, that man looks like the Unabomber. My one, like, true crime correlation is actually pretty depressing. Oh. We, uh, so on September 11th, my mother woke me and my boyfriend at the time up and was told me about the first plane crashing, and we went out back into our backyard where we would smoke our cigarettes, and as we were walking out, I looked up, and I just looked over my mom, and I'm like, Mom, do we ever have planes flying over us here? Because where we were was not in a direct, like, flight path, and then, like, literally, like, 15, 20 minutes later, we heard about the one in the Pentagon. Oh. Yeah, it was, ugh, it still gives me goosebumps in a bad way. Well, yeah. Okay, well, that was a bummer. I know, now that I've lowered the mood. Yes. Let's go on a murder spree at Camp Redwood. Yeah. Yes, so four years later, we see that uh, some of the ghosts that we know at Camp Redwood are enjoying the murderous life, mainly Montana and Xavier. They end up murdering a dude and um, his girlfriend, and uh, much to the uh, dismay or to the annoyance or the disappointment of Ray, who is has sort of become the moral compass of the group and is like, you can't kill people. What are you doing? The other counselors, the ones from the... Um, the, the what year was that? That... Uh... Wasn't it like 1990-something, I thought, or 1989? No, 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 I'm saying, what year was it when Margaret was a kid in the camp? The 70s? 
I think it was the 70s, yeah. Like early yeah. 70s, yeah. The, those counselors, the, the ghosts of those counselors, are also annoyed at them for, for uh, you know, going on a murder spree. But Montana and Xavier, you know, um, you know, talk about enjoying killing um, so much and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah. So what do we think of... Uh, Montana and Xavier sort of embracing the life of a killer and uh, and seeing Ray, you know, as sort of uh, the beacon of hope, the one that's chastising them uh, for their murderous ways. Uh, Vinny? I honestly kind of thought it was going to be the other way around. I was very disappointed for Xavier's character to suddenly become so, like, murder-happy because he seemed to be the one that was not as much of a coward as Ray was. And he was the one that was like, we've got to save this person. We've got to save that person. Um, and for Ray to be the voice of reason was very surprising to me at first. But then the more that I actually thought about it, it does make sense that Xavier and Ray would kind of switch places and Xavier would go down the route of going down the other side of the spectrum and being like, you know what? I was a fucking Nancy Drew this an entire time. And now all of a sudden I'm, I got myself put into a freaking oven. I got my skin burnt off and then I got gutted like a fish. So F this, I'm stuck in purgatory. I'm going to gut every MF -er that I see. And Ray had all this time to kind of ponder the efficacy of being a coward, which lost, led him to decapitation and, and ghost sex, which that probably wasn't a downside, but yeah, it was interesting. Montana, I, I totally was not surprised. She was exactly as I expected her to be as a phantasm. She, uh, you know, murdering everybody and luring him in with ye old like, 80s woman sitting on the pier with her boobies almost hanging out and, and gutting the guy when he was like, it, w it was hilarious to me. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I will agree that Montana wasn't that surprising. The Xavier thing bugged me as well. Um, based off of how Ray was in the previous episode, I wasn't surprised that he was going to be sort of like the moral compass. I mean, it looks like death really changed him and for the better, to be quite honest. But uh, Xavier really shocked me. Like, I, I thought he would be, you know, one of the moral compasses in the afterlife. And the fact that he just embraced it and was all Team Montana with killing everyone was a bit disappointing. And it felt a bit out of character, for me at least, just because of what we saw of him um you know maybe this was just his his evolution as you mentioned because he was sort of like fuck it i'm dead might as well do whatever i want um but it was still a bit disappointing what about you maddie yeah i didn't like uh xavier like kind of switching to the bad side but like at the same time i don't blame him <laughs> um and i don't know the whole fact of them being ghosts I don't know if I like it, and I don't know if I like the way that these ghosts are. Um, you know, like, in the murder house and stuff like that, like, we had ghosts, but they were more, I don't know, ghosty? <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like these ghosts are just like, oh, yeah, they're there, but they're ghosts. Like, they're real people. You can still touch them. You can still, you know, do stuff with them. They can still do things. They can still feel things. It's just they're dead, and they can just keep resurrecting themselves like it just feels like weird i don't know if you guys feel the same i just feel like it's a different kind of ghost yeah because they ended up being more like i don't know there, there's it was almost like diet ghost 
because they were still being presented almost like humans stuck in purgatory as opposed to a spirit. Uh, I agree as well. It, it was kind of odd, and I kept trying, because I'm a nerd like that with the occult and the supernatural, and I was trying to classify what type of supernatural entity they were, and the only thing that I could come close to is that they're, you know, they were basically wraiths that didn't know they, they were dead, and then when they found out they were dead, they still were given flesh in this kind of purgatory thing because of whatever we, you know, have going on at the campground. And it, it was just weird. And I guess maybe part of it was my nerdiness. I couldn't actually define what they were. And it just, I was focused so much on trying to find out exactly like what was causing them to be like this and all that. It, it kind of, yeah, it didn't necessarily sit 100% right with me. And I, I agree the ghosts in ghost house or murder house were much more ghosty and, these ones don't have any powers. That's kind of what it was for me, too. Is like I thought that as a ghost, you might be able to do something or influence something, but they were basically just humans that kept dying over and over again. Yeah, like there's like no cold spots or there's no, um, I don't know, just like ghosty feel stuff. Like I just feel like they're just people. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like they're not even like, they're not even like, like white in the face or anything like they they just no they're like in the prime of their white in the face in murder house were they yeah they weren't white in the face in murder house i mean they looked humanish as well yeah but like no they still look the same yeah and i don't know if if like you know what i mean like i don't know would have would be discovering cold spots and that kind of stuff you know what i'm saying um i don't know i i agree with you that Yes, based off of what we've seen before with ghosts, it wasn't necessarily the same. But for me, that's what I liked about it. Uh, It seems as if each ghost haunting, each property that's been haunted, has similar elements to what we were introduced to in Murder House, but it's slightly different as well. Like the ghosts from the Hotel Cortez were different than the Murder House versus the Roanoke property ghosts versus these ghosts so i didn't mind the self-awareness of these ghosts in particular because it is kind of like the 80s and the 80s was sort of like you know that kitschy ridiculous over the top um slightly self-aware slightly not uh era so it i don't know it kind of felt appropriate for these characters to be ones that would be sort of self-aware of their ghostiness and, and the fact that they kind of are reveling in the fact that, um, you know, they can do things, uh, they can do anything they want, basically. And that sort of fits in with, like, the 80s culture in a sense. You know, it's almost like go big or go home, go home you know, ridiculously over the top. And that's exactly what the characters are. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. Okay, fine. So... <laughs> Moving. Well, no, you didn't win me over. Oh, okay. I was just acknowledging politely that I can see your perspective. Oh, okay, there you go. Well, at least you can see it. Maddie can't see shit. No, uh, maybe she does. I don't know. Maddie can't so see rude. it. <laughs> so rude. I love it. Okay, so moving right along. This was probably the most fascinating of the stories that we saw, just because this one was unexpected to me at least um well the other one was also unexpected in a more heartwarming kind of way this one was unexpected in a oh i did not see that coming kind of way so margaret has become a redonkulously rich real estate mogul um, with the big hair and the big shoulder pads to prove it 
and we learn that she has married Trevor. So rewind, Trevor survived the attack that Margaret uh, did to him, and initially it looks like he was going to blackmail her into, um, you know, stuff, but she is, for some reason, like 50 steps ahead of these people, and she was like, no, 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 you know, we're going to get married, because you're never going to testify against me, because we're going to be married, and a husband cannot testify against his wife, and this, that, or the other, and all this kind of stuff, and so Trevor has been, um, I guess, I don't know what you would call it, he is married now to Margaret, and clearly, um, they hate each other. Uh, Trevor loathes her, and Margaret uh, hates him as well. Uh, our friend Beverly Leslie shows up as Courtney, um, Margaret's assistant. And, um, yeah, and so they are together. And uh, and we learn through the, um, the little Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous video that we saw, a little montage, that Margaret has made her name in the real estate arena because she's been purchasing properties that have had a murderous past. So she's been sort of benefiting to her, um, with, benefiting by her, her um, association to Camp Redwood and the massacres and that kind of stuff. Uh, and um, yeah, I should. Uh, well, well, I'll, there's an element of this storyline that I will save for for um, Brooke's side of the storyline. But um, we also see that uh, Margaret's at work, and her most recent deal has sort of fallen through, and um, and uh, Margaret ends up getting the idea to um, because she sees an article about Redwood and a recent murder to um, you know to benefit off of uh, Camp Redwood, and so she decides to, uh, to basically hold a, um, a music festival at Camp Redwood. So, and, and uh, yeah, and, and she believes that this is going to be a great opportunity for them, because murder sells. Yes, uh, well, I should say that the ghosts are sort of, uh, noticing this, and, um, yeah, uh, let's just say they aren't necessarily happy about it. So let's talk about this. Margaret, the real estate mogul, Big Dick Trevor as her husband, Beverly Leslie showing up. Maddie, what'd you think of this? Um, gross, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Which one, uh, Courtney? Ugh. No, I don't like Margaret and Mr. Schumer together. He's not Mr. Schumer ever since he started packing heat. Yes, he is. (laughs) Well, technically, he was never Mr. Schumer. He was Mr. Schuster. Oh, Oh, well, that is true, too. Shows how much you liked him. Oh, my God. Mr. Schumer. (laughs) Anyways, I don't like it. Um, I think she's evil, obviously. We know that. Um... And I just feel bad with him, but I, I did not expect him to make that deal with her. I feel like he would have been a bit better, like, more of a stronger person to basically just say, like, screw you, I'm going to the cops type thing. I don't know. I didn't expect him to make that deal with her. 
Okay. It was surprising for me, too. What about you, Vinny? Were you shocked by um, Margaret and yeah. Trevor? It, I don't know. It kind of seemed like a desperate ploy to get him back on the show, in a way. I, I And his character yeah. and all of that, I just didn't... He, he, he had a sleazy side to begin with, obviously, but this just didn't... It didn't seem right. It was just like, okay, we're going to make sure that we get Matthew Morrison to continue on the show. I know. And that we're going to... Have that come back. Because he's um, Mr. Schumer. Yeah, Mr. Schumer. <laughs> but uh, I did enjoy the fact that Margaret became basically like Marla Maples Trump or Ivana Trump. She had that like aesthetic going on. And it was nice to see Margaret finally look like the biatch that she truly is. You know, like that's what I wanted to see. And that's what happened. You know, she finally shed that whole like, oh, I am actually a super Christian nice lady who just wants to save the world and became the selfish, evil woman on the outside that she was the whole time on the inside. So I didn't necessarily not buy it uh, to the point that I didn't like it, but I didn't like that they didn't give us a better reason, I guess would be, as far as uh, Trevor goes. Yeah, Trevor was a surprise. Um, Yeah, and and I do agree that it was maybe a, um, a means to keep the character still around. I didn't mind the character, so it was a welcome surprise. It was just a weird situation to see him in. But I guess it was the only thing that would make sense um, as, as to why he would be back. I did like the fact that he remembered everything, and I did like the fact that he was going to try to blackmail her. I hated the fact that she ended up... I don't know if you would call it that she, was, she blackmailed him, but she... Um, whatever you want to call it that she did to him. Like, I was just like, Ugh, I, don't, I don't like that she seems to be this ridiculously prepared villain uh, for everything. And, um, yeah, so that was slightly annoying, although it fit very much in her character and that sort of thing. And, of course, uh, Leslie Jordan is always uh, exciting to see back on the show, uh, which I believe what, it was Roanoke. Was Roanoke his only season? No, no, no. He was, he was also No, because Coven. he was a council member on Coven. Yeah, he was in Coven and Roanoke. So it's been a minute since we've seen him on American Horror Story. So moving right along, I'll talk about a storyline that was going to hit you in the feels. So we catch up with Jingles, who is now going by the name Donald. Uh, Be kind, please rewind. He's living in Alaska. He's got a wife who's who's a former hooker. They've got a son. And, uh, it looks like he's living the good life. It looks like, you know, everything is going his way. He's found love. You get a little bit of backstory of how they met. And, um, it it just, it seems like Jingles is, um, you know, things are finally heading in a good direction for him. He was able to, uh, shake off, uh, Ramirez and all that kind of stuff. And, um... He ends up seeing on the TV, you know, news bulletin about, uh, you know, the festival. And initially his wife is like, you know, should we turn that off and this, that, or the other? And he's like, no, 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 I'm not triggered anymore. You know, it's fine. You know, she knows about his past and all that kind of stuff. And and he's like, "I, I have moved on. I am happy here with my life. And so uh, one night he returns home. And he has found uh, that uh, the Night Stalker has caught up with him and uh, has murdered his wife. So um, he was in prison. Uh, He had broken out with uh, the help of Satan. 
and uh, he specifically was looking for uh, jingles. And so, um, you know, this is what he did as sort of payback for um, for Jingles's help in um, the police catching Ramirez. And so Jingles ends up giving his son to, uh, I believe that was his wife's sister. And um, it's like, like, I have to go away. Um, he also says some stuff that I'm sure she doesn't understand. Like, I didn't know this, that, or the other in my past. And I got to go right the wrongs. And you need to take care of this child. And she's like left with, what? Is, where's your wife? <laughs> and that kind of thing. And so um, the reason he uh, gave his child away is because he needs to go get his revenge on uh, the Night Stalker. So let's talk about Jingles and his life, his happy life that was unfortunately taken away from him. Maddie, did this storyline touch you? Were you, uh, were you sad for Jingles? Um, I was. I, I really enjoyed um, his character, especially when now he realizes that he wasn't the one who originally killed everybody and stuff like that. So him having a good life finally was actually kind of nice. So I don't know. It it was it was pretty sad that he is now dealing with, you know, his past and and he's it's nice that he's finally, you know, getting somewhere, but at the same time it's like, yeah, it's pretty sad. But you do love you some Richard Ramirez, right? I do. I do. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Oh, gosh. Vinny, what about you? Were you touched by uh, the Jingle Saga? Uh, I mean, maybe I'm hard-hearted. I wasn't overly touched because in my eyes, he, regardless of the reason, he still actively made a choice to commit murder and atrocities. And I did not like the fact that he got away. I like that we got to see the character fleshed out, and I, I did have some sympathy for his plight. But at the end of the day, when you perform horrendous deeds like that, karma is going to bite you in the ass. And when he just left Ramirez to get caught by the police, he basically set himself up for this future destruction. You know, the only way that someone like him was going to get away from a horrendous creature like Ramirez was to have killed him himself. That was the only way that Ramirez would not have showed up. And I mean, if it had been me in Jingle's place and I'd already killed people, I wouldn't have just set it up so that Ramirez got taken by the police. I would have, like, beheaded him and, like, buried his head on the other side of the continent from his body just because of the whole Satan thing, you know? <laughs> like, and I know that's harsh, but this is the realm of American horror story. Instances like that, if you don't make sure that it's dead and that whatever supernatural force is bringing it back, you don't do reinforcements, you, you don't try, it's going to come back to bite you. So I wasn't surprised. I did find it incredibly humorous that he chose to go to Alaska, and they actually make the comment that, I think his wife made the comment at one point, that everybody comes here who has something to hide. And I love that he ended up at Blockbuster in Alaska, just kind of doing the thankless rewinding job. So it reminded me of Madison in Apocalypse when we found out that she was in the hell dimension having to work in, like, Marshalls. It seemed very fitting. To me, that was almost like a little Easter egg of sorts. Um, but overall, no, I liked having his story fleshed out because the character was very one-dimensional before the middle of the season. And I, I did have some feelings for him, but at the same time, I didn't feel sorry that it happened because he kind of set it up to happen to him. And that's what happens when you're a murderer. Karma's a bitch. Oh, damn. 
Benny brought some yeah. straight talk. He ain't got no love for Jingles. Well, I will say, I, I thought John Carroll Lynch was fantastic uh, throughout the entire episode, like, period. Um, and uh, I was really touched by Jingles. And, and I get the whole that he killed people, but he sort of killed people under the assumption that he had already killed people. Which, I mean, psychologically, like, I I get why he justified his killings. But then once he realized that he hadn't really killed anyone, I mean, clearly he was... Um, he was remorseful, and so I, I liked that he had the chance to live a good life. I, I do agree that, yeah, the threat of uh, Richard Ramirez was always going to be out there. Um, yeah, it was... What happened was disappointing, but clearly if um, Ramirez didn't do what he did, uh, you know, we would not have Jingles back into uh, the storyline because it looked like you know they could have easily written him off happy in alaska you know they could have done a spin-off show you know jingles in alaska or something like that uh but um but yeah so so he would have been off on his little um you know freezing cold island by himself in in alaska i know alaska's not an island but you know what i'm saying it's a metaphor but uh because ramirez did what he did um, clearly he's back in the fold so um so that's a good thing but uh, I did like that he got a little, at least a little taste of happiness, especially because he was locked away for all that time and, and that sort of thing. Um, it didn't really answer what Jingles is, because clearly it looked like he died. Um, yeah. So I guess because he made a deal with the devil, he returned as a human, in a sense. Um, yeah, because if not, it's that whole ghost sex thing that we talked about you know when ray and um and brooke got it on and that sort of thing um because we did learn that ghost sex is supposed to be bad unless maybe it's just when you have sex with tate because he was evil already to begin with but um yeah so we can we don't need to talk about ghost sex so uh, let's talk about brooke so we haven't talked about her yet. And she's the final piece of the puzzle from this episode. So throughout the episode, we saw that Brooke, uh, she's in jail. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was very worried that we were going to get just a whole lot of Brooke in like an insane asylum. She was going to get electroshocked and all that kind of stuff. And that she was going to break my heart. But no, she it seems to be she's, she's in a regular prison. She's on death row. And uh, it looks like she's going to be executed. Um, during the Margaret side of the story, she actually gets a notification that Brooke was going to be uh, given... Uh, um, she was going to be uh, given the lethal injection and that sort of thing. Uh, throughout her stint in the prison, uh, she has this interesting conversation with Richard Ramirez. Um, basically, at, at a sort of like Satan-y best, uh, he tries to lure her over to the dark side, saying that Satan sees a lot of potential in her and that kind of thing, and that all she's got to do is um, and is say that she will be sort of a devout follower so that she can be saved from uh, death. And she's basically like, fuck off. And uh, the whole Satan, Satan, Satan thing does not work on her. And uh, so... Uh, she is executed like we see it she gets the lethal injection we go through the whole process and we learn through the episode of what exactly happens when you get the lethal injection it's um 
it's a lot. And uh, we see her dragged away. Well, before that, we see that Margaret, um, you know, sort of sees her as like the final piece of the puzzle of, of everything that happened in Camp Redwood, like the final person that knows the truth that will spill the beans. So we see her get dragged away and we see that someone is there helping her actually because she gets uh, injected by something else she comes back to life and the person that helps her is bum, 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 jessica lang now she wasn't there to do a cameo even Still though it play is with my heartstrings i know did you actually believe me for a moment you're like did i miss that oh no no i i just i remember how much i wanted her to show up as always and every time she doesn't i just get sad i know we all do but no, it was not Jessica Lang. It was not Rita, aka Donna Chambers. So Donna has saved Brooke from execution. Brum, brum, brum. Okay, let's talk about this. Vinny, since I played with your heartstrings, I apologize once more. What did you think of the Brooke side of the storyline? Predictable. Really? You saw the Donna thing yeah. coming from a mile away. Oh, but from from like four hundred thousand miles away. The moment oh, that I Donna turned her table as far as her attitude about everything, and when she disappeared at the end of the previous episode when all the shit went down, I just had a feeling that she was. I mean, we saw that she was already starting to seek remorse, and when she couldn't get it from Montana and Trevor, or or Xavier, you know, she ran with her tail between her legs into the night, and we didn't see anything from her so when brooke didn't die in the previous episode i just somehow had a even before the promo i had an idea that somehow donna was going to promo the promo yes no yes uh i just had a feeling that that was what was going to happen and it was confirmed when you know she pulled off the lethal injector executor hood and executor hood and uh there was donna with amazingly wonderful hair after being under that hood for all so long so i know it was like holding it in place I almost, okay, I just had this moment where for a second I thought that Brooke was going to give in to Ramirez's offer of satanic companionship and join the dark side and become really? some, like, vampy mega bitch with, like, weird science hair, you know what I mean? Like, the I can't remember the chick's name in that movie, but she had, like, the big, poofy, like, sexy 80s hair. I wanted to have, like, Brooke suddenly become, like, Elizabeth Hurley and bedazzled and just walk out and, like, beat the crap out of Margaret with satanic magic or something. But obviously it didn't go that route. Uh, it went a completely different route. So I, I'm glad that Brooke has hardened. Obviously, she needed that backbone. She needed the time to be able to realize that there was more strength within her than she thought. And obviously, we saw in that little bit that prison has hardened her and that she's very bitter and very, very angry. Uh, so when she turned down Ramirez, I, I honestly wasn't surprised. I did want it to go a different route. But then when Donna showed up at the end there, I, I was pleasantly I, w- I was pleased is the word I mean to use. And I'm, I was curious to see what was going to come from that. Okay. What about you, uh, Maddie? What did you think of the developments with Brooke? And were you surprised by Donna? Or were you a complete buzzkill like Vinny? Who predicted it? <laughs> Apparently uh, an episode and a half ago or something. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that Brooke um, kind of like held on to her strength for so long because you know being in prison for five years might have caused her to maybe give up in 
like some ways. Um, so seeing her be strong and shutting Ramirez out like that was actually quite nice to see. Um, but seeing um, Donna at the end of the like when Brooke died like from the injection, I was like, really? That's it? Like, wow. Okay. Like, why keep her alive this long and then just kill her like that? Like, it's kind of stupid. And then seeing Dawn after, I was like, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. She was, quote-unquote, the nurse. Um, So, it wasn't, like, totally surprising, but it made sense. It wasn't like it was unbelievable type thing. So, yeah. Okay. I do agree that Brooke needed to be alive. So, when they killed her, I was really shocked. Because I was like, if they're going to go this way... Like, this is sort of a game changer for American Horror Story, because uh, American Horror Story, I don't say it's predictable, but it's like, you can tell certain actors are going to survive, at least until the end, you know, when maybe they could die in the finale, but there are certain actors that I that I sort of see as people that are going to be still around until the end, and because everyone else had died, for the most part, uh, I felt like Brooke has to make it until the end. I feel like we all pegged Emma Roberts' character as being, you know, there until the final moments of the season. And so that shocked me. I didn't think she was going to be tempted by Richard Ramirez at all, so I'm glad that she basically told him to fuck off. Um, But I was shocked that it seemed like she was going to die. So then when um, Donna, I did not guess at all that it was going to be Donna, but when Donna saved her, um, I was really excited and, and yeah, like I was here for all of it. Um, just because I'm, I'm enjoying Donna, I enjoy Brooke and, uh, yeah. So, uh, so this was a really exciting moment for me, uh, in the episode. So before we get into the MVP, was there anything that I missed? Was there anything else that anyone wants to discuss? Even a small moment before we head into the most valuable player? Nope, I think I'm good. I don't think so. I think we covered it. All right, so now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Maddie Fitz, who's your MVP? I'm going to go with Mr. Jingles for turning in my boy, Richard Ramirez, And for wanting to start a fresh new life and actually doing it and actually being happy. And I just, it makes me want to cry just knowing that he was able to turn a new leaf after, like we talked about, yes, he did kill a bunch of people, but he was doing it because he believed that he was a monster and he had killed people for and stuff like that. Um, Obviously being brainwashed in a mental institution probably helped, Um, but the fact that he's like, no, that's not going to be me. This isn't who I am and starts a new life. That made me happy. So, yeah, Mr. Jingles. Vinny, what about you? I'm actually going to choose Brooke. I liked oh. her in this episode the most that I've liked her at all this entire series. It was awesome just to see some of that Emma Roberts steel coming through. Because I was just I was starting to twitch seeing her continually play this like dish rag of a character as far as like personality strength and all of that. So I, it was nice to see her kind of start showing that she doesn't need others to make her feel like she belongs, that she has herself. I, it sucks the way that she learned it, but I really 
you know, just in the few minutes that we got with her this episode, you could tell that change 100%. And I was really excited to see where that was going to head once she was resurrected from the dead, or unconsciousness anyway. I like it. Great choices. And I'm going to go with... uh, Yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm going to give it to Margaret. Uh, Leslie Grossman has just been stellar this season. Um, Out of all of the actors that are on this season, she's the one that I would say gets it the most. She fully understands what the theme is of American Horror Story 1984. And she has been pitch perfect ever since the beginning. Yes, Leslie Grossman, there was a hater among us in the beginning. Oops. I won't name names. I like her better now than I did as a creepy counselor. Like, Same. I like her badassery now than before. Like, her badassery now was like how she was in Apocalypse. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a creepy Agreed. Christian like weirdo. Like, now it's like now she's a badass bitch. It's not just like now she's creepy and I don't know how to take her type thing. It's like a completely different person in a way. Well, she she was giving me elements of uh, Faye Dunaway as the villain in Supergirl. Well, she added herself. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, the person that was a hater is not named Vinny, but she decided to publicly announce uh, <laughs> her hater. Oh, stop. Yes. But uh, yeah, I, I really liked her in this episode. I, I just, she has sort of embraced being this villain and is working for me. And uh, I'm I'm here for all of it. So now it is time to uh, rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 keys? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden key. And yes you may jingle it. So let's start off with you, Maddie Fitz. I am going to give this episode a 7.5 keys. Seven keys and a broken key. (laughs) Um, I thought it was a great episode for 1984, but it was lacking for a 100th episode. Um, And I'm giving it past a five, like, you know, past just okay, just because it was like a solid episode in entirety of like the whole season and like a normal AHS episode, but I just thought it would have been a little bit more. That's why I'm giving it such a low score. Okay. All right. We're starting off a little lower than I anticipated, but um, yeah. So, so Vinny, are we going to head in an upward trajectory? How would you rate this episode? Oh, well, Jeff, it's the return of your absolutely favorite I tried to resist letting him come back, but I just, I, I can't. The Russian judge is here. I'm oh, giving no. it a five, hands down. As much as I loved it as an isolated what? episode. Yeah, I know, I know. But I'm being really harsh on this because American Horror Story is one of my all-time favorite series. And one of my favorite elements has always been not necessarily the connectivity of the seasons, but not disappointing me other than cult. This season, the series has always really lived up to my expectations in one way or another. And I feel like 
giving us a promotional guide, advertising that it was the 100th episode, getting my hopes up. I walked into this expecting so much more. And as I mentioned, even though I loved it as an episode of 1984, I still kind of had this like meh feeling after it because it was so isolated vignette. Like, as you mentioned, and I, I expected there to be something bigger going on other than the, you know, the last story and the little bit that we got with Brooke. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just I feel like there was half missing from the episode that could have made it phenomenal as a 100th episode, a milestone for this series. And I, I just don't. I mean, I might be willing to give it a five and a half, but I don't feel like I can go that much higher because my expectations were so high. The Russian judge is back. Das Vidanya, baby. Yeah. Wow. Well, this comes to no surprise. I did enjoy the episode, so I will be rating it way higher than both of you. <laughs> but I'm trying to not let the episode 100-ness cloud me too much, because as an episode, it was still very entertaining. And I do find it as a very rewatchable episode. I, I feel like this season is a very rewatchable season period. It's entertaining. It's everything that I could have hoped for a 1980s slasher motif season. And um, it gave me something that I never really thought I would get, which is a true sort of epilogue to what we've seen thus far. And as I referenced in my initial reaction, not just an epilogue, but also a setup of the things to come in the final episodes of the season. So when it comes to that, it succeeded. Um, as far as the episode 100 of it all, uh, I mean, clearly, we've already said it, it didn't do um, what it should have done. And so that does knock it a little bit, but it's not going to knock it enough because it was still a pretty good episode. So um, I'm going to give it a solid 9 and, uh, yeah, because it was an enjoyable episode, so I'm not going to deny that. So, on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid 1984. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? 1984 and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Das good Vidanya. night, everyone. <laughs> yeah, das Vidanya. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Are You Afraid 1984 every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Good night.